0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Gateway, brought to you by the Northern Illinois University College of Business, where your future is without boundaries and our approach is to. i I'm joined with my incredible co-host, Dr. Biagio Polisi. Hey, Biagio!
1: Ciao tutti! Welcome, welcome to this great episode.
0: Thanks for being here, Biagio, as always. Now, today's episode, The Sound of Music and Technology, we will explore the merging areas of creativity and technology. To help examine the essence of creativity, The Gateway is proud to welcome David Mann, a professional composer and music software developer who has dedicated his life to bridging the gap between art, and technology. He received his bachelor's degree in music composition with a minor in computer science from UC San Diego in 1997. He later completed the University of Southern California Film Scoring Program in 2001. As a composer, David has scored 11 feature length films, 37 short films, and his music has been featured in over 155 TV episodes. Most recently, his music was used in the bonus material for the new James Bond film, No Time to Die. He has also composed and recorded two albums of modern classical piano music. As a solo software developer, David has released eight iPhone applications. Most recently, he unified his love of composition and music technology by creating an app called ComposerBot, which writes music algorithm- algorithmically. So the ComposerBot has written two orchestral works and many other pieces which have received extensive praise from listeners. I am so excited for this conversation. David, welcome to The Gateway.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Of
0: course, of course. So I want to I want to jump in right at the beginning and and start with with where you where you came from. Um, You know, what brought you to music?
2: So uh, my my entry point into music was actually through heavy metal, because as a teenager, (laughs) I was just listening to tons of metal and a friend of mine uh, was playing guitar, and he was like, oh, you should try playing the guitar, it's really fun, and he would, he was playing some songs I'd heard. So um, I got an electric guitar for my 16th birthday and started playing, and it was just like, it, w- it was like you had just given me like the biggest jigsaw puzzle ever, and I had to start working on it, and I, it was like I couldn't stop, and so, um, at that you know some people ask me like how'd you get into music and i and i often say like music found me i didn't find it i mean it really it was like it just kind of came and just attacked me and i really haven't been able to shake the bug ever since it's just it's just been a a, you know the moment i got into it i knew that that's that was the most interesting thing i could ever work on so that's what i've been doing ever since
0: that's amazing and and your resume really shows that 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 it was a worthwhile decision i think yeah. i think you made it for all of us a good choice so then yeah. a lot of times when we think of music and and art and creativity it it, it it almost is is in conflict to something like technology math computers all of that stuff how did how did that connect within within yourself
2: well um that is a common uh, idea, and and I and I and I would actually say that it's a it's a it's a misconception. Is this mm-hmm. notion that you know people associate art with with kind of uh, this free spirited, whimsical, impulsive kind of um, you know you see these movies and the artist, the hairs going everywhere, and the papers <laughs> are all over the place, and rooms filled with paint. Um, I think that that image actually hurts people more than it helps them. Because at the end of the day, um, making art is hard work. And so um, having self-discipline, being organized, those are actually things that really help you to, um, to, to make art, especially if you wanna make a living at it. Um, and um, as far as, um, as, far as uh, combining the two, Um, for me, when I first looked at the guitar, almost immediately, I said, okay, this is an XY grid. There is Mm. only so many different ways that you could, um, play these different, you know, frets on this particular XY grid. And there has to be a finite number of chords and scales. And so, um, I, I literally, I kid you not, I bought the smallest graph paper that you possibly can. And and using like a binary code where like a dot means you play a note and a and a space means you don't. I, I started writing out every single permutation that, that you could. I still have it somewhere. It's like 20 pages of just just wow. dots. But the problem is at that point I've got I've got 20 pages of dots, right? So at some point when I was getting my undergrad, one of our teachers uh, in a psychoacoustics class said, hey, I want you guys to learn to program um, because I want you guys to design uh, your own experiments. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, this could be handy because I could use it to work on that other thing. So I wrote a program that, that computationally generated the list for me. And now I could actually put in search parameters, you know, narrow it, look for relationships. And so that was that was where the connection happened.
0: Wow, that you were already setting up the work that you were doing now at that point. That's so right. In, that's that was so my first
2: my first programming class. That was the first thing I wrote. Was that one?
0: Wow, that's awesome. Now I, I'm I'm looking at this stuff and, and I'm trying to think. So. In in the beginning, we talked about ComposerBot. Can you can you give me a little bit more of what that is for for people that haven't experienced that yet?
2: Yeah, so um, ComposerBot is a desktop application that runs on my computer. Um, it's an application which I wrote myself, um, and what it does is it uses uh, rules and formulas that I have acquired over many years of writing music the old-fashioned way. Um, and some of which I've acquired by writing computer programs to figure out what the rules are. Um, and uh, it takes these different um, sets of patterns and it sort of grabs one pattern from bucket A, another pattern from bucket B, and another pattern from bucket C, puts them together and suddenly you have a song. Wow. And, um, and uh, it, it is able to generate either fully finished compositions where it's fully recorded, mastered, and out the door. Um, Or I can generate uh, what we call MIDI output, which is just a a type of a musical format that lets me then drop it into a notation editor and print it as like a printed piece of paper, um, which is useful, for example, when I want to give it to an orchestra and say, okay, I want to record this now. So I can either go the acoustic route or or the all-digital route with it
0: wow that okay so as you you were talking about what what composerbot is doing with grabbing from bucket a bucket b all of that stuff is that kind of your process when when you're sitting in and trying to compose a piece from from nothing
2: yes Yes. uh i have spent a long time trying to come up with like a singular process that i can Mm -hmm. use in in any situation whether it's whether it's me who's doing the work or a machine um, and so, so yes, it is my my own personal process.
0: So, as someone who has has spent literally decades perfecting a craft and a very specific um, talent, uh, is it is it scary that you see what ComposerBot does? And, and is there a negative to it? Like, are you kind of putting yourself out of your own job at some point?
2: Uh, that's a really good question. And that is something that I think about. Um, so, so right now I, I, the, 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 I haven't given the tool to any, anyone else. Got it. Um, and so I certainly won't be putting myself out of a job and, uh, <laughs> and, and be, being that I know how hard it is to make a living in the music business, you know, the last thing in the world I would want to do is to put anyone out of a job because, mm-hmm. uh, if anything, I, I would like you know, more composers to make more money at music. Um, so, um, what I'm doing because it is certainly not putting in anyone out of a job because it's, because it's, I'm keeping it close to home. However, there's a lot of other companies who are interested in this problem. And so (laughs) they, that, that may, um, have an effect on the market. Um, so we don't know.
0: Yeah. Have, has, has the reception from other composers been positive what, what what have you heard from some of your colleagues within it that you have shared it with
2: so um, when I do share it with someone they're they typically just fall out of their chair I mean they're they're, they're just like they're they just they're amazed um, and um, I, I've done a lot of um, um, you know kind of tests with people where 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 we would, say, oh, hey, you know, check out what I wrote last week. And they're like, this is this is incredible. This is, you know, and and they're and they're judging it, not knowing that it's computer generated. They're judging it just as a piece of music written by anybody. And 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 so then when I when I when I tell them that it's computer generated, their face just kind of turns white, (laughs) just kind of like what? (laughs) It has to be. So
0: whenever I have conversations about this stuff within computers, doing some of those things that I identify as part of the human condition, creating, being being creative, um, I automatically go to authenticity and and something that is authentic. Um, As your work is creating art, do you think we'll get to a point where will kind of diminish something that was created by a computer and still cherish more of like the human creation and say okay this was composed by david rather than the bot so automatically i'm more connected to david's work than just a computer or do you think it 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 won't matter as much and just the still feeling we get from it is all that's important
2: so you're asking a huge marketing question and i've actually been (laughs) talking to different marketing companies and going can, can we can we can we find out concretely what, what the answer to this question is? Um, I mean, I can tell you how I feel about it, which is that, um, uh, think about back in the day when you'd buy a CD and there was liner notes and you'd Hmm. see the artists, you know, all disheveled, sitting around, just being artistic and showing off their, their, their persona. And that was part of what you connected with in a band. Like, and, and, and for example, like when you go to a concert, you know, you want to see your performers up there on stage. You want to see what they're wearing. You want to see how they dance. Um, and, you know, and to the point where people they like, they want to know what did they eat for breakfast? And so, right. so that is um, something that uh, there will probably always be a little bit of bias there um, mm-hmm. because there isn't as much to connect to. I mean, certainly they can say, well, David's an interesting guy. But if there's this extra layer between David and the output, then 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 you know that could cause bias. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, you there, there could be a way to spin it into a positive, you know, to where mm-hmm. the, the robot itself becomes a persona. Because there's a lot of people who just love tech. They just yeah. love tech. They love gear. They love inanimate things, and the more inanimate it is, it is the better. And so so it could if if portrayed in the right way, it could be it could be converted into a positive. Although I would say by default, it's probably a slight negative bias.
1: Interesting. Regarding this, I kind of want to jump into conversation and say, like, first of all, I'm super fascinating by this as somebody that has pretty much zero talent in musical talent, but a lot of love for technology is definitely kind of putting a bridge. Uh, and maybe I can see myself in the bu- in the future building a bot band rather than a rock band, <laughs> as, no. as, as possibly uh, happening. Can is it possible to listen to to One Piece created by the bot rather than uh, yeah. because I'm just too curious at this point to to hear it.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect uh, that's a perfect segue right there, uh, Biagio. I think that's a great time to to kind of look at that stuff, and and I'm gonna pull it up right now and get that. Set. Right. Yeah. So that was Icarus uh, yeah. created by David's composer bot, which yeah. I truly think is is it is a incredible piece of music. And I can see why other composers and other people when you play it for them are like, yeah, that had to be a human do that. That is yeah. truly incredible. Wow. Thank you. Um, OK, so when when we're looking at that and we're hearing that stuff and, and I'm getting the actual emotional reaction to it, just like I do when I, yeah. I, I listen to any piece, uh, I, I can't help but but think about all of the different ways that this can be used and uh, allow for um, more music to be created. But do we, from your perspective, David, do we need more music? I, I, I feel like right now we have, uh, more opportunity to get creations out there whether it's music art or anything do do we need more of that is is that something beneficial or are we just going to be inundated and nothing becomes special anymore
2: well um it would it would be like saying do we need more water do we need more bananas do we need more chicken you know like um music is something that we consume and especially because of um uh, you know, I I spend a lot of time focusing on like film and production type of music. Um, no, no, no film or TV show wants to have that song from last year's <laughs> competitors' show. You know what I mean? So yep. so original is is helpful there. Um, but the other thing, the other advantage that um, that this provides me is that I can very carefully craft. Kind of the emotional output of the track, and so if if it's like okay, well, we need something that's you know not so many layers, kind of sparse, you know, a little creepy. I can just turn a couple of levers and it's done. You wow. know, so it gives it gives a level of because otherwise, if you're if you're um, as a human composer, whether you're the composer or whether you're the one hiring the composer there's some blood, sweat, and tears that goes into each version of the song, yeah. whereas my robot doesn't get tired. So, so if the director says, no, I can just hit the space bar again. And, and he says, no, again, I can, and there's no fatigue. Um, so, uh, the, 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 the core part of your question is, do we need more music? The answer is yes. We always, we always need music. Um, you know, like, I mean, should, should rock bands stop making rock songs? no, should pop bands stop making pop songs? No. So, so we always want new, new music.
0: As you're, as you're talking about that, I started thinking of the composer bot in a little bit of a, of a different way that it actually might be um, kind of a a tool, an aid. And one of our listeners kind of uh, asked us as someone who has a family member, who's a composer, who's working in this industry, do you think that this can, um, aid more creation? Do you think it will hinder and, and maybe deter people? Where, where are you thinking with that stuff?
2: So, um, uh, as a tool, you know, it, it, it would be useful. The question is whether or not, uh, whether or not the tool is going to be for sale. So, so I think <laughs> there's no question that, that if people had it, it would be an absolute, um, indispensable thing. Cause it's, it's, it's almost like in, you know, um A while back we started we started getting loops, right? So yeah, composers yeah. could just take a drum loop and a guitar loop and they could put them together and you could s- say I wrote a song. And I know and I know I have composer friends of mine where they bought their house just dragging loops in. that's what they do all day. They just they wow. just buy all the latest loops, they drag them in, export it, that's what they do. So this is kind of just loops on steroids, really.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, when when you when you say it like that, I mean, yeah, yeah, I have friends. I mean, look around on on any social media platform, and, and you have people making beats and doing all of those different things right. just with right. a very basic laptop. Wow. Right. Um, so, I wanna I wanna kind of include yeah. everyone in, in how I found you and met you.
2: Because
0: uh, yeah. I think it goes into kind of the essence of what we're talking about is here. Um. For everyone listening, Composerbot is on TikTok TikTok, and David, I, I want you to give the exact um. Username so people can follow it. What what was yeah I think it's just
2: it? at at composerbot.
0: Okay, perfect. So on TikTok at composerbot, you can see more. You can follow that stuff. Um, I know I was just kind of flipping through as I probably do way too much, and I, I noticed it, and 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 composerbot just kind of jumped out to me, and I, I had to reach out. So. As we're thinking about computers and, and creating, how is this social media element shifting art for your experience? How how is it doing that, and, and what's that like?
2: Well, I can say that that from uh, from a marketing perspective, TikTok was just was just a slam dunk as far as uh, you know how much money I spent, how much time I spent, and how much of a response I got. I mean, case in point. You know, I'm here. You know, intervie- interviewing with you guys, and um, I didn't spend a lot in order to to um, to, to put the message out there. So, um, you know, TikTok in particular uh, really easy to advertise, not expensive for the number of views you get. Um, I mean, I've I've done some I've done some on, on Facebook. Facebook is a little more cumbersome. It's a lot of buttons, a lot of choices. Um, it's is your is, is this ID ready? Oh, you got to do that. So, um, uh, I would I would say that the, you know social media is a new and indispensable part of the marketing landscape. It's it's not the only it's not the only platform, you know, but it is it is a good one. And if you just want to go click, 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 and suddenly you've got 10,000 views, you know, TikTok works pretty well for that. So
0: that's very, that's very cool. And, and now I, I want to kind of jump off of that um, into this next question from one of our listeners. Yeah. And and I'm not even sure if, if you're um, aware of that. So feel free to just okay. kind of push past this. But, um there, there's kind of movement within the music industry and with creators of music yeah. composers, all that stuff, of turning their content into NFTs and and being able to kind of sell them and, and have an individual person purchase them and, and own that, in, even though it's still out there, but it, it's right. basically trying to empower the individual artist are are you seeing that as a as a good thing is 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 that something that is like whatever it it is what it is where do you have an opinion
2: (laughs) uh so i have um spent a decent amount of time you know figuring out that trying to understand that landscape and and trying to put (laughs) stuff out there um and um i am uh I am as, as mystified by the crypto as I'm, some people probably love it. You probably either love it or hate it. And there's probably not a lot of people who are in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just amazed at how hard it was to get through the initial setup of getting into the crypto space. You know, I thought it was going to be like setting up a PayPal account. It was like, no, no, no. I had to set up like three different accounts. I had to set up a wallet. I had to go to this place, exchange currency, then I had to transfer the currency. And then the amount that they were gonna charge me to transfer the currency was more than the amount of money that was in the account. Like it's so, I'm thinking in any other business, consumers would not tolerate that. And and so it's, I mean, it's, I don't understand what the draw is, why people would, I mean, it's one thing when you go to Europe, or, or Japan, and you spend you know three percent or six percent converting your currency. But we're not talking about three percent, six percent. We're talking about I wanted to get fifty bucks over, and it was going to cost me fifty-five bucks. Wow. wow. Like, wow. You know, yeah. So, so that that's may not directly answer your question, but um, somehow it is taking hold. Uh, am I interested in this space? Yes. There's a, but the pro, my only problem is just that I'm one guy. And it's like I, I'm so, um you know, um, overextended just doing what ComposerBot does now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you it, it is an important thing, and 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 ComposerBot will will have some NFTs at some point soon.
0: Everyone, you heard that here. Watch out, get your ComposerBot NFTs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, when they're yeah. out and fresh. Up uh, th- the next area that I, I I'm personally fascinated with is is your actual composing and and that, that entertainment industry side of things, how, how do you go about that from a student studying and, and doing that stuff? How did you get those opportunities to get into those entertainment, um, you know, projects with the films, the TV, all that stuff? How did you go about doing that? I I think that would be very interesting to, to kind of have some. Yeah. So,
2: so what happened with me, it it was a pretty clear, it was another like aha moment, you know, where you know, when I got into music, was kind of the light bulb going off. When I discovered programming, that was a that was a light bulb, and and then getting into film music was like another one of those moments. Uh, so I was getting my undergrad, and I'm you know just totally immersed in trying to become a, a, a an expert musician. Really, don't know how I'm going to make a living at it. I just know that I love it. And I someone puts up a flyer, a, a paper flyer on a cork. Uh, you know bulletin board like we used to do in the day and uh it said they needed music for a film and i called this girl and you know she showed me her script and uh so once i once i started working on her film uh another student had a film and so i did two films that year before i graduated and then once i'd done those two films then everyone started sharing my name and suddenly like all every students started coming to me and students from other universities started coming to me. And so, um, you know, and then, and then that kind of culminated with, with going to USC where like, now it was like USC has a film program. So now I've got even more directors, you know? Um, so that, that was how it started.
0: Wow. And, and it's just kind of taken from there. Uh, when, when you think, when you get a project, someone comes to you with a TV show or that stuff, how do yeah. you try and and kind of capture the essence of that within music? What is what is that process like for you?
2: Well, so um, it starts off with uh, if they got you on board really early, you may just be looking at a script before they mm-hmm. even shot, shot the movie. And so at that point, you, you may have months or even a couple years before they actually hand you some footage and it's time to, to literally start scoring. Um, and so at that point, you're, you're trying to judge the emotional temperature of each scene, and you're trying to judge what is the energy level, like is this like high energy, low energy, is it happy, is it sad? And you're trying to then make some correlation between what's happening on the screen and some musical elements, right? So, so you know, sort of a, an easy analogy is that, you know, major chords on average sound happy, minor chords on average tend to sound sad. So if it's a sad scene, you're probably gonna pick more minor types of chords. Mm-hmm. The piece that we just heard, Icarus for example, relies I think like either entirely or almost entirely on minor chords. So it's kind of a sad, sad sounding song. Um, but once you've got the the general idea then you get into this very granular process where you have to make small moves you know you 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 put the music against the scene and the, and maybe the energy is a little too too much and you have to start backing it off maybe removing some elements from the music or maybe you put it against the scene the energy level is not enough um, and and this this ties in quite, closely with how I ended up with ComposerBot because after doing that so many times and I'm going, okay, well, this rhythm works really well when uh, people are like chasing each other and this mm-hmm. rhythm works really well when it, you want it to sound funny. And, and I started kind of drawing these associations between these different patterns and these different emotions. So um, it's it, different composers will give you a different answer. But, it, but in my case, you know, I have a white piece of paper and I just start jotting down little fragments that may be like two, three note fragments or just words of little things that I think will, will correlate to that scene. Like I might write down violin, I might write down tuba, I might write down a little rhythm, I might write down a little, and I and I start looking at those little blocks and go, okay, all of these combined will create the right mood.
1: I. I mean, I, I'm super fascinated by this. Again, I, I'm not an expert on music whatsoever, but um we were talking before about like looking at scenes and looking at emotion. How uh, how like how difficult it is for a bot to, to gather those emotions and transform them in like a certain uh you know, rhythm or a certain combination of instruments and stuff like that? Or is there something that you still need to do manual and kind of uh it's kind of like a hybrid approach where you guide the bot in some situation and in other yeah. situations Well, just,
2: just to be clear, my robot doesn't watch the movie. Um, okay. and, and all of the music that I've done so far uh, with the robot has not been um, custom. I, I haven't done any, like, any custom soundtrack work with it necessarily. But um, I, I am aware that there are um, there are AI companies out there who are writing AIs that just watch movies or listen to music and generate keywords or associations or just some sort of output as a result of that. So as long as you can convert the scene into some sort of output, that's, that's a little more um, tangible. like Even words are more tangible. You know, if you say "sad," I mean that—that's already more tangible than, you know, a, a photograph of a someone making a sad expression. If you can convert it into anything that's even somewhat more tangible, then you have a somewhat of a chance of then giving that as input to the to the to the computer program.
0: As as someone who who is really ingrained in the entertainment industry and and composing, is there um, some? a score or a specific movie or TV show that, that from a, a musical perspective that you still uh, kind of pull towards or i am still kind of amazed by? Or do you try like not to listen to that and, and keep your own creativity kind of individualized? I know that was like two questions.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's to... okay. Um, I don't see... Um... I don't see receiving inspiration from others as being a bad thing. Because unless unless you literally do what they've done note for note, which you're probably not going to, it's it's not copying and I don't think it's diminishing your creativity in any way. There's definitely composers that, that I love who who just um, they just write great scores every time and, and and there's a lot of guys out there who can just do it all. Um, you know, Hans Zimmer I love his scores. You know, he works with a team. So what? Um, he's still the leader. He's still, he's still the one guiding the ship. Um, every score he does, it's unique, it's different. And he's very good at kind of getting into the fiber and, you know, the fabric of the film and capturing Mm -hmm. the perfect emotion. Right. Um, John Williams as a, as a, as like a thematic composer and, and a master of the orchestra, uh, There is no doubt that he is he is um, the best. You know, I don't think you're going to find a composer anywhere who doesn't agree that that he is he is the greatest um, in that in that regard. Um, But there are other styles of scoring. And um, uh, there's a guy who's who's maybe not as much of a household name, but but in the entertainment industry, he's he's known, which is Harry Gregson Williams. And he just does, uh, he does a lot of great scores, but I happen to particularly love his scores that focus on like kind of action electronic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, he did like the Equalizer with Denzel Washington. And um, he just always is on the cutting edge of having the most interesting, innovative, fresh approach to to that kind of music. So I wouldn't say it's one, one guy. Um, and then the last last guy I want to mention is uh, one of one of my mentors, uh, Christopher Young. Um, I love his stuff. He's 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 mostly well known as being the master of horror. Like if you watch nice. any modern horror movies, there's a good chance that he will his name will be on it. But he doesn't only do horror. You know, he does. He, he can do very dramatic, emotional, poignant. He, he does it all as well. So. Um, it's not all, it's not all one guy, but there's definitely composers who I, I really particularly enjoy.
0: Is there a genre that you personally enjoy composing for the most, or is there one like that you're like, I, I just don't connect with that.
2: Um, so I want to answer that question carefully, uh, because, um, I appreciate all music, and I try to be agnostic as far as music is concerned. You know, like, I mean, like when I was growing up, if you asked somebody what kind of music they like, everyone would say I like everything except for hip hop and country. That was the, that was what everyone said. I don't feel that way at all. I like both hip hop and country. Um, I'm not super into hip hop's lyrically, but musically, I do. I do really enjoy. The, the composition you know because it's it's just so different from from what we would do in in classical music or pop music you know um i as far as the bot goes you know i don't i don't really spend a lot of time uh teaching it how to write jazz you know mm. just and and the, the 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 reason for me is it's it's pretty simple it's um I appreciate a certain ratio, a certain balance between variety and repetition. And I certainly have a, like a sweet spot where I feel like you should, you know, have a little bit of repetition so that we can kind of follow what's going on. Um, and I feel like jazz, often the needle goes a little past my comfort zone as far as having a lot more variety than repetition. Um, now the great jazz artists, you know, they, they overcome that, you know, Miles Davis, you never feel like you're lost when you're listening to Miles Davis. You feel like he's, he's telling a story and you always feel like, you know, where the story is going. You know what I mean?
0: I'm, I'm so glad you brought up Miles Davis. Whenever we can talk about him, I'm, right. I'm always a fan, but I, yeah. I, I like the way you, you, put that because I've always just enjoyed it but there are definitely some pieces of jazz that I'm like I don't know what's happening and I don't have that and and the way you just articulated right. that that really connected with me so thank you for that one now this I, I have a really cool question from one of our, our listeners what what would Beethoven say about hearing composer bot literally create something as good as one of the greatest composers in human history. What do you think? What What do you think he would say?
2: <laughs> well, your question is a double hypothetical because I don't think <laughs> the composer bot has yet created something as great as the greatest composers in human history. So, so we're going to have to We'll get that. there. <laughs> um, and it's interesting that you picked Beethoven. If you picked Bach. Bach would be all over it. I mean, he would be like, I want to come over to your studio. Let's talk, show me what you did. Because I, I know that if you look at his writing, you can see that he, he has that kind of, uh, you know, there's a method to, to the way he does what he does. Um, Beethoven is a, is a, is a interesting choice for this hypothetical question, because, um, one of the things about Beethoven's music is it's full of surprises. You know Beethoven. Beethoven. One of the what? What part of what makes him Beethoven is that um, you, you're, there's always this level of unpredictability, right? But yet he is um, never deviates from the theme, right? So when you get to the mm-hmm. end of a Beethoven song, even though you've gone on this epic journey from these gigantic, exuberant highs to these 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 dark you know, deep lows. When you walk away, if I say, great, hum me the main song, you can always hum a Beethoven song. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of the reasons why, uh, I like him, uh, you know, more than other people who were contemporaries of his, like, you know, um, I love Brahms, but he's not Mm -hmm. Beethoven. I love, uh, Mozart, but he's not Beethoven. I love Haydn, but he's not Beethoven. And and part of why they're not Beethoven is they're they're again that variety problem. Too much variety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if I if I if I said if we were in a live auditorium right now, and I said okay everyone on the count of five, hum a Beethoven song. Okay, I would guarantee you ninety nine percent of the audience musicians or not could hum either da-da-da-da or de da de da 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 or da 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 you know what I mean? Like, we know these songs, but if I said to you, everyone on the count of five, hum a Mozart song, silence. Mm-hmm.
0: Not as mm-hmm. many
2: people know that that music, you know what I mean?
0: Wow. I, yeah, I, I never really quite uh, associated it with that one, but I, I, I find it interesting that y- you can even connect with other you you know composers that have been long gone from from this world and and see some of those things that are like they would they would be interested in technology just by their their creating is there now this is this is specific for you and then i'd also like it for composer bot is there a, a signature um that you try and and kind of um, implement into your stuff? And, and are you noticing that composer Bot does maybe has some, some stylistic tendencies there or because you can dictate whatever there is none.
2: Right. Well, um, if I'm, if I'm writing music and, uh, th- and, and I'm writing it for the sake of art, you know, which, which, you know, some of what I do is not commercial. It's just purely a, a means of expression. Um, there are certain chords and combinations that I focus on that you probably wouldn't see happen uh, so much in composer bot. Um, mm-hmm. Just the way the way that it thinks and the way that it approaches things would would probably um, it probably wouldn't be writing the music that I that I write um, for art's sake. Um, mm-hmm i do you know like with every composer bot piece there there are little little adjustments and little little tweaks that i make to, you know uh so so there's 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 a little bit of me in there um but if you met me and you met composer bot walking down the street and you heard our music you would say these are different people
0: mm. interesting okay um,
1: I, yeah, have a oh, question. Yeah. Uh, I have a question because something you said before, like, kind of hit me, like, you, you say the sentence something like, I don't spend much time to teach him like jazz or something like that. Right. It's, it's, uh, like, I know you, you probably can't disclose much or how how you came up with this idea, how actually the composer yeah. works, but how much, um, I mean, how much can you share about how how do you get to him composing something?
2: okay so let me uh, let me let me take a, a sip of water as I as I think about your question um, so um, I, I can't uh, you know I'm, I'm limited as far as how, how much detail I can go into it without kind of getting into some things that might be proprietary but um, I will simply say this: that every piece of music in the world is drawing from some limited set of possibilities. Mm. Now, once you start aggregating those together, yeah, you get an you, you get an infinite number of possible songs that could be made. But if you if you just um, look at at the types of uh, patterns that are used um, there's only so many and so um, at the end of the day uh, you're either doing one of these these um, kind of pre-identified patterns or you're doing noise and, and you're and that and that's really it and it's it's really, it's only once in a blue moon that I stumble across an artist doing something that really sounds good, that doesn't fit into the model that I've created. And that, that doesn't happen very often. And and e- and even if it does happen, it's probably already on my to-do list because I probably already identified it like a year, year and a half ago. So, so-, so there just isn't that much you can do that, that the robot can't
1: do. So from a, a like programming perspective, I can, I can probably translate it as almost like you did some work in identify pattern as probably the training set of where yeah. your composite is to kind of start learning. And then from there, it kind of evolves and you add more patterns as you find some identify some other spot, right? So That's,
2: Something that. like that. Yeah. Something like that.
0: So David, one of our listeners was just asking and kind of comparing the, the reaction to hip hop, where where a lot of people, country and hip hop was kind of like, oh, those are the, the genres yeah. that I, I kind of stay away from. Um, EDM has, has, from what I've gathered, uh, really taken over a, a lot of cultural experiences and it yeah. really kind of been a new wave. Um, but it also then a lot of times falls into that new category of like, I'm okay with hip hop and country, but EDM, I just can't get yeah, yeah, get yeah, into. Yeah. Um, are you, what's, what's your feeling about those producers and, and, and the music that's coming out within that industry and, and that genre specifically?
2: So, um, I, I, um, even though I don't consume a lot of EDM, um, mm-hmm. I, I love EDM and, um, and I think it's often um, underrated as far as how difficult it is to make. Um, mm-hmm. I could teach you how to write a symphony a lot easier than I could teach you how to produce a good EDM piece. It's much easier to write a symphony. Interesting. <laughs>
0: That, and, see, and, I, I would not, and out of my pure ignorance, I would not say that. So that's very interesting. Are they still, um, within that one, when you're listening to EDM, are you still seeing some of those patterns and things like that and, and still fitting into that overall um, kind of formula that you were just talking about? Or are they doing something different? Uh,
2: I would say yes. It, it's, well, it's following into the formula with, with one caveat, which is that... Um, there is a black box, in or a black hole in music, which is uh, what we call timbre. Which in which in in you know layman's terms would be like the tone quality or the or the instrumentation. You know, so like the difference between this particular synthesizer and this synthesizer. They're playing the same note, but one is kind of a little more raw, edgy. This one's a little maybe it's more mellow, kind of a fluty sound. Same note. Right. But it has a different note, different tone quality. There is an unlimited number of tone qualities. Interesting. There is an unlimited number of tone qualities. And so like when so so to put it into perspective, like like a composer like me, you know, I've got all this expensive equipment and software. I don't spend money on notes. I don't spend money on rhythms. I don't spend money on any any aspect of music except tone quality. That's what. That's where composers spend all their money. So when you buy a new sample library, you're not buying it because of, of the melodic aspect. You're buying it because of the, the the new timbres that it provides. When you get a new synthesizer, you're getting it because of the new timbres that it provides. When you get a new microphone, you're getting it because of the timbres that it provides. And, and um, so, uh, that what makes EDM difficult is that musically, if you were to to write it out on a piece of paper and make a score, for example, um, there wouldn't be, there'd be very little on the score. There Mm. wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a lot of uh, complex melodic activity. There wouldn't be a lot of complicated chords. There wouldn't be a particularly complicated drum beat. All of it goes into finding the right sounds. And that is um, why it's not trivial. Interesting. Wow.
0: And along with that one, another one of our listeners posted a really interesting question about originality within music. And, yeah. and as ComposerBot is able to, I mean, it, it, like you said, if you wanted to hit the space bar you know, a, a thousand times a day, you could have a new piece, right. is there Going to be a point where there is no originality in music that it that we've just we've just created it with those finite options and, and formulas right. that we
2: can. Well, um, th- the answer is both yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. If you're doing something, you're not the first person who's doing it, right? If you if you yeah. happen to play this this melody, you're not the first guy who played that melody. But if we start to look at longer um, the song overall, you might be the first guy who did this melody in your A section and this other melody in your B section. And then the other thing that multiplies your possibilities is you have this melody, but then underneath it you have this other melody. right? So Mm -hmm. if you figure there's a million possibilities for this one, and then as far as the other layer that goes with it, there's another million. So the numbers really, really fast go up to, you know, so astronomically large, and then you then once you throw the 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 black hole into the equation, the timbre into the equation, suddenly, suddenly, you know, it becomes um, surprisingly easy to create something that sounds new, even though elements of it may be old, but uh, but the but in aggregate, it's still new that's like that's that's sense,
1: exciting to hear uh, yeah in that sense david you have a great competitive advantage to everybody else because while you're talking with us your computer bot might create in the next piece than everybody like never yeah. wasn't created before so that's yeah, that's exciting uh to hear from you <laughs> thank you so much that was you're it you're welcome
0: and David, I know we're we're kind of getting close to the the end of our conversation, but I I do have um, just two more questions. And and again, uh, one of our listeners posts a, a great one as well. Um, has Ham Composer bot as a, a tool that you can use? Has that potentially diminished your drive to to play actual physical music yourself, um, or or even like compose? Is it just kind of like what? When you have that kind of ace up your sleeve, does not yeah. make it difficult to to actually sit and do it yourself?
2: Well, I would I would say that in a more positive way. I would say that <laughs> it's so exciting that I can't wait every day to turn it on and run it and see what happens. Like when I when I first um, made the commitment at the beginning of twenty twenty to really ramp it up and and uh, and make it make it like a full fledged um, tool um i mean every five minutes i was running into the kitchen and grabbing my wife and going did you hear this did you hear this did you hear this did you hear this this?" it was like it was like every single thing that that it was doing was was just just sounded great so um uh i still write music the old-fashioned way you know i don't i and 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 so um Maybe maybe it takes up a lot of my time, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's harming me. I, if anything, I'd say it's maybe a better composer for sure.
0: That's good to hear. I, I like that. And then my my uh, kind of second to last question is what what's kind of next for Composer Bot? Without, of course, you know, revealing anything. If you you have some yeah. plans in the work, but like, wh- wh- where's kind of your next step and what are you trying to do with it?
2: Well, um, some of the things I'd like to accomplish um, before this year is out is I want to write another um, symphony piece, um, Mm -hmm. but I want to really um, take the gloves off this time and do something that that um, knocks people's socks off even more. Um, And then um, I also want to uh, do some pop songs with it, Um, you know, because I... Over here in L.A., you know, we have a lot of great musicians, and I want to actually have it write a pop song, get get some of my favorite singers in and, and perform that.
0: And, and David, when you say that, are you meaning like actual lyrics as well or just the pure music and then have some, you know, someone like like an actual songwriter come in and write to it?
2: Right. Um. I, it's not tackling lyrics, and that's not got in it. the wheelhouse anytime soon. So got it. OK, unless you want the <laughs> lyrics to sound like complete nonsense. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, depending on which artists we're talking about, it might fit it. Yeah. Um, and then my last and final question, and it's just a fun one. what What's what's your favorite movie? Do you have a favorite movie?
2: Favorite movie? Um, I've got a few movies. I To me, a favorite movie is any movie that I've seen more than seven times. Okay, I like um, that. All right. <laughs> Blade Runner is a movie that I've seen probably nine times. And I think the last two times I watched it was like within one week of each other. Um as much as I love the new Dune, um, the original Dune was one of my favorite movies. Um, and um, uh, there's a movie called Angel Heart with Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro. It's a horror movie, and it is just—it's uh, just one of those movies where you 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 just couldn't change one thing. You know, it's just incredible.
0: That's actually really good to hear. I always like when we can <laughs> kind of <laughs> toss around new new movie ideas and all of that stuff. So David, this was truly an awesome conversation. I'm, I'm very grateful to, to have you here today. Everyone listening, remember to check out ComposerBot on TikTok. Feel free to give them a follow and see what else is happening in the future. And then for everyone who is listening, thank you all so much. Uh, the, the Gateway is always brought to you by NIU's College of Business. And, and as always, please remember to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can find those ones so you can continue to hear great episodes like this uh, this conversation. So again, David, thank you so much. Biagio, thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your day.